Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode number 259 entitled, How Do We Know What to Charge? It was published on Thursday, the 16th of December, 2021. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and in a few short minutes, I will be joined by my colleague, David Wormsley, as we go through this particular episode. But just before we do that, a couple of bits of housekeeping. I'll keep this very short. Please head over to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe if you like what we're doing here at WP Builds. Over there you will find a page and there's a couple of forms that you can fill out, two different newsletters for two different purposes, plus there's all the different ways that we communicate on social. So there's our YouTube channel, Facebook group, Twitter handle and so on. I'd really appreciate anybody who wants to join the community. That's wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. The other thing to mention is our Mastodon instance. Now, Mastodon is a open source federated version of Twitter, and you can find it at wpbuilds.social. Yes, believe it or not, that is a URL, wpbuilds.social. And if you want to join, there's about 60 people so far. It's a little bit light on the ground, but if you want to swell that conversation, certainly go and subscribe, and I will authorize you into that group. That would be really nice. I know that Black Friday has gone, but we've still got our deals page on the go, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, if you want to find some WordPress deals that are there 365 days of the year. So I describe it as a Black Friday page, but for every day of the year, and you can search and filter for your own deals on there, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, bookmark that for any day of the year. Another thing to mention is that this is going to be our last episode before Christmas, taking a couple of weeks off. So the next episode that we release will be on January the 6th in 2022. So if you notice that we're not coming into your podcast player, that's the reason I think it's probably a good idea to take a couple of weeks off. I hope that you guys also manage to get some time off if the holiday season is coming around in your part of the world. Okay, let's get stuck into the podcast, shall we? As I said, it's episode 259 entitled, How Do We Know What to Charge? Now, this is the second episode in series one of a new series that David and I are doing. It's going to probably span maybe a year or more, and it's called the WordPress Business Bootcamp. And the premise is that we're starting right from the very start of our WordPress or indeed website building journey. We're trying to unlearn absolutely everything and go from the very, very beginnings. And today we're trying to figure out how might we charge. So we set up the debate, if you like. We talk about what the problem is, what kind of things do we need to be thinking about when we're trying to formulate what our pricing strategy would even be for our very first website. Perhaps we go for fixed fee, perhaps we do something more like value pricing, and then we go into the minutiae of the different tactics that you could employ and how you might develop your pricing strategy over time. It's a really interesting episode, and I hope that you enjoy it. 
Hello, welcome to another in the WP Business Bootcamp series. It's the series where we relearn everything we know about building WordPress websites and running a web design business from start to finish. The premise of the series is that we have our first potential website client. All we know is that she's a lawyer in a large city. She's asked a mutual friend who thought of us. We have few skills and no business or processes in place. She has no previous website, no branding or copy. Nathan and I, as we go through the series, are going to be taking different routes to get our business going and our client's website up and running. So we are presently on season one, which is the in the series, the part where we are looking at the things that need to happen before we build. And we are on episode two, where we are asking ourselves, how do we know what to charge? So Nathan, Shall we quickly recap on where we were from the last episode? Yeah, so in the first episode, so you'd obviously have to go back and listen to the the previous one. Um, we were talking about all of the things that would happen before the build in terms of realistically defining our business model. Mm. And there was obviously a lot to say there, but I guess it could be boiled down to just two different approaches. David's taking uh, an agile approach where he's kind of iterating um, over a, a period of time and he's doing little sprints and he's trying to get the client's website built in that way. And my approach is going to be more the trying to figure out how to do it in terms of scoping out the project, giving a giving a proposal, doing a contract, and then finally building it all and handing it over and saying, thank you very much, we're all done. So mine you could characterize as being the waterfall process and David's mm -hmm. you could characterize as being the agile process. Yeah, what well, a traditional model you're going for, yeah. which uh, is strange for us because we're almost swapping around here, you know, with the kind of Apple and the, the, the Mac and the PC thing. Yes. It looks like I'm going for the trendy modern thing and you're going for the more stable things which yeah is i guess the, the, more, the more traditional the, the 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 one i mean really the the only thing that i would have known a few years ago and to be perfectly honest the whole agile thing is a bit of a mystery to me so i'm kind of learning from you as we're talking over these episodes Yep. And I'm learning as I you know, literally am. I've kind of moved that way without knowing there was a movement. And now I'm kind of working out what that movement is all about. Yep. And it's really more of a mindset. So anyway, how do we charge, which is, I think, a big problem. I see this in, you know, lots of those kind of web design groups usually related to WordPress that I'm in. It comes up all the time where someone will go in and say, I've got this job. It's maybe one of their early jobs. What would you charge for it? And pretty much what they get is lots of uh, unsolicited business advice and everybody's got a kind of different model in mind and the prices vary and I just don't think anyone knows and I certainly didn't know did you no no and I, I'm still puzzled by it I, you know I don't think I've reached any kind of perfect equilibrium and knowledge that this is the perfect way of doing it. Absolutely not. The, uh, but I guess this is the bedrock of absolutely everything that you're doing because essentially if your business isn't generating revenue, you don't really have a business. You've got a big hobby. And yeah. so you've got to figure this out. But what I would say at the outset is you just, uh, so, to some extent, you are going to have to make it up. There's going to be a moment <laughs> in time where you are going to think to yourself, how, 
okay, is that the, the right number for me? And, and you're going to be able to say to yourself, yes, it's fine. If this project comes in and I can do 12 of these a year, then I'll be in profit and I'll be in enough profit to make my life comfortable or however you want your life to be. Or you're yeah. going to have to say, no, that number doesn't work and have a bit of a rethink. But it, it doesn't really matter what pieces of advice you get, which route you take. You are there is going to be a moment where you are literally making things up. And I think that's one of the most difficult things that I find. You know, I mean, you, you go into a shop and you buy things. And sometimes I'm <laughs> really curious. I, I went into a shop, losing the plot a little bit here, but I went to a shop the other day. Mm and looked at a blanket my my wife wanted to buy a blanket and and I looked at the price and I was like what how, how does that blanket cost this much you'll take it from this that I'm a skinflint and don't want to spend money on blankets but the point being I could see for me that that blanket was literally 10 times what I thought it was worth and so I just thought okay they're just making it up and I left the yep. shop and it's fine Probably they'll sell a boatload of them, and that's fine as well. But you've just got to get to the point where you're you're happy, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, there's lots of advice out there. The first kind of advice I heard, which we'll talk about the different models here, but assuming that you have to calculate how much you need to be paid for for your time, the first advice I used to sort of hear on this was along the lines of you need to, you, you're going from being perhaps an employee to be self-employed perhaps for the first time which many people will and you'll need to calculate how much time is not productive where you won't be doing the web design right, and stuff right you know all the stuff that's going to go and all your costs as well for your business your software your insurance your legal fees all of those kind of stuff that also has to be calculated in to kind of work out what you need as an hourly rate and i think probably in some ways we all need to have that but here's my problem with it always and I, maybe is your problem I didn't go and say, I'm setting up a website business and, you know, the beginning of this month and I'm going to be working full time on it. There was always some other streams of income or it was always done while I was also perhaps an employee in, you know, some other capacity and stuff. So that never, it never resonated with me, that approach. I think, I think you've raised a really interesting point, though, in that you have to assume that a lot of your time will not be working on the project. So, yeah. you know, if you're incredibly lucky, which I, I would imagine this, what I'm about to say, is almost 0% possible in that you will finish a website and the very next moment, the very next day, a new piece of work will fall into your lap and you will embark upon that and you will finish it. And then the very next day and you or your roster is full and so on. You know, there's going to be downtime, but also something that I never thought about was the fact that I needed to cost in all of the things that had nothing to do with building a website. You know, the time spent on phone calls, the time spent on contributing to my own blog or creating content or the time spent mm. uh, putting Facebook ads together or Google ads or whatever it might be, all of these things. And also just the time spent where literally nothing is happening. You know, you, you've got to have a bit of time off and holiday time. You've got to allow for that. So... I didn't do the, here's the number that I need to be making each year, then divide that by the amount of projects, then add in some redundancy for the whole variety of yeah. things. And n nobody taught me that. And, and I had to learn that the hard way. And, and in fact, I didn't even kind of learn it the hard way. It was hearing it somewhere for the first time that made me think, oh, okay, I need to do that more. It, I didn't even figure it out for myself. I had to hear it from somebody. 
Um, yeah. And then I did start to do that, and that might have led to increased rates or just more thought about the way I was carrying out my tasks. But you, you have to think that a significant proportion of the time is not going to be spent actually building websites. That's very unlikely. Yeah, trolling people on Facebook. That's, that's yeah, yeah I mean, goodness knows. Yeah, how much how much time do we do we lose to social media? That has to be factored in, and I don't mean you obviously add that in as a business expense, but there will be a bit of that. There'll be some legitimate outreach on social media and so on and so forth. The um, the thing about my model is my model is really easy to understand in that you essentially I'm going to be proposing a website and I'm going to give you a number at the end of my thinking about it I'm going to come to my client Mrs A this lawyer and say here's here's the figure this is x number of dollars or pounds and that's going to encompass everything now maybe there's some wiggle room there or maybe I add in some things we might talk about that later but I'm going to do that the which is easy it's really easy to understand it's very easy mm. to get a hold of but the, the problems that come into that are multiple. And one of them is simply, you know, you can be wiped out by a competitor coming in and just offering a small amount less. So all of this hard work that you've put into the proposal, um, let's say it's £5,000. Somebody just mm -hmm. needs to come in at 4500 who is, you know, equal to you, shall we say. And mm. mostly that's you out of the game, you know, and, and it's going to be difficult for you to alter your pricing just because somebody else has gone cheaper. And again, we'll get into that. But it is easy to be outpriced if you go for that model and just offer one price. You've got to work really, really hard on the front end, making sure that there's something magical about your proposal. There's something which makes you um, unmissable. You know, the opportunity to work with you is so great that that 5,000 will eclipse the 4,500 because you can guarantee somebody at some point is going to beat you on price. And actually, mm. I, I think price more recently has become even more competitive, you know, with things like page builders and, dare mm. I say it, people who are younger than me who have different setups in their lives. You know, they might not have a family. They might not yet have the kind of commitments that I have. They maybe legitimately have a, a, a lesser number for the year that they need to work with. So they can legitimately beat me on price. And so you've got to work hard to overcome that. Yeah. It's interesting. When we're talking about price, I mean, what you know, we've got our first job coming up and we're having to think about how we might price it. Would we... <sighs> There'll be a few things. I mean, the location and what we think would be the expectations of the target audience. Are they going to come into it? It must. Location definitely has. A, I mean, worldwide obviously has an impact on what you're likely to charge. Um, where I'm presently living in India, the costs are probably a quarter of what your costs will be, Nathan, or certainly what mine were in London. Yeah. So, if I wanted local people, that would change things. But is there also a sort of you know, we know this is a lawyer. We we know that they charge well for their services. Um, would that have an impact, do you think, on the pricing that you might present to that person? Do you know, I, I think it inevitably would. You know, if you were in an industry where it was obviously very, you know, the margins were very tight. I can't summon anything to mind at the moment. But, you know, an industry which is traditionally hard up, there's very little money floating mm. about. I'm sure you can identify one in your head. Think of that industry. It mm. is going to make a difference where typically lawyers have a reputation for being uh, well paid, 
They're yeah. they're very overworked. They're very keen to you know take in new work, get new leads because there's a lot of churn, I think, in legal work, and mm. they're very likely to have a a kind of professional, shall we say, a kind of regimented approach to doing things. They're lawyers, and and this I think would all feed into the price. I would imagine, subliminally or otherwise, you are going to be erring on the side of a, a larger fee than a smaller mm. fee. I mean, that might not be the case for you. Perhaps you are not thinking about it in the same way. But I think I would be more happy to submit a, a larger fee to a lawyer than I would to X industry where the profits are significantly less. Yeah. I think we'll do, in the next episode, we'll talk about scoping. So I don't want to wander too much in there. But sometimes people come initially with some basic brief and ask you, you know, the first email could just be literally, uh, you know, I'm looking for a website for this, you know, small website. How much do you get that? Uh, I have had that lots of times. And I my always my reaction to that is, can we get on a call? Uh, okay, my yeah. one of the things that I find works for me is literally speaking to people you know in the same way that you and i are talking if possible i will go to where they are because i find that that is even more effective i, I feel that once you've made a physical you know once you've been in their physical presence that you yeah. get the impression of, as to whether you're going to click or not you know there's been times where i've gone to somebody's office and it's been very obvious as i've left the door that actually do you know what we're just not compatible something weird went on there and i didn't didn't get a good vibe and the opposite is true and and so that's yeah. what i do and then i try to i desperately try to say you know to get some indication of what the budget is and it might be as blunt as what's your budget um but yeah. it might be more of you know have you had a website before can you remember what that cost just to get some sort of and also you'll get an idea of the surroundings you know if they're in a big swanky office with you know, Max lying around unused all over the place and people seemingly busy, industrious, and so on. You're going to get an idea of where they're going to be positioning themselves as well. But yeah, I, I always want to know kind of what their budget is. Yeah. Do you know what? I was thinking about that recently. I mean, I've always tried to do the same thing. I've never got it out of people with the budget. And I realized because it's we were talking earlier about this is kind of this sort of BS thing that we all go through where they pretend to know what it is that they really want. <laughs> and we pretend to know that we can deliver whatever they've imagined they want. And we kind of are just in our sizing each other up, aren't we all the way through it. So you know, it's never in the client's interest to want to reveal their budget too early. No, it's interesting because there's there are all sorts of ways that you can make this a little bit easier. You know, obviously it requires honesty, but yeah. one of the things that I learned many years ago was in the in the the lead generating form. So there's a form on the website, and you know, you people are inquiring about a yeah. website. You, you make that form slightly more robust and complicated than it ought to be and the, the process there is simply that anybody that sticks and gets through that form is probably more interested than somebody who got through a form which literally said would you like a website yes tell us about the kind of website you know there's two fields mine's probably got 15 fields to get through and one of them is um it's not it's not exactly asking what the budget is but basically it's it's saying uh, do you imagine spending this, 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 or yes. this? And, and you know, it increasingly gets more pricey. And and I think people at that point, because they're filling in a form and they've made a bit of an effort, they, you know, it tends to be on the lower side. But still, yeah. 
occasionally you get one drop through where it's on the higher side and you think okay that's interesting they're realistic they know things might cost that much this is probably one that i want to be following up very carefully yeah it's an interesting way of qualifying yeah, the clients that's as well that's the word yeah. because you you set the you, you set the low end of what you're prepared to work with someone at so you've kind of already led them into some idea of the range of prices you're working so that does take some of that out of it i mean i i don't i guess we all do that to some degree should we talk a bit about um pricing models which okay. i really strictly think is only two fixed fee and value pricing and fixed fee being the more traditional one where you know you have a service and you cost out and work out you know what you need you know how much things cost and to make it what you need to get in profit and then you set your price and then that delivers value to someone who buys it effectively like a client where the value pricing has that turned on its head where you start with the client find out what they are all about what gives them value what will add value to them then you work out your price and then you do your kind of costing and your service so it's kind of flipped on its head the whole model so can i can i ask you a question at this point which which one of those instinctively do you like more (laughs) yeah fixed fee yeah um it's the only one for my model i think i can probably get away with anyway yeah. and it's the only one i've known but yeah i think value pricing though is interesting yes yeah but, um, but i'm it's curious because i'm the same there's something about the the stability of the fixed fee and the the predictability of the fixed fee and essentially it's a binary thing it's either a yes or a no isn't it you just get this yes no answer at the end and you know where you are with that and it's once you've done it a number of times it's easier to figure out how to generate that fixed fee and work out what the costings are you know and if a if a complicated build comes through you you spend more time on it you work it out and the number is higher and if a simple build comes through well you've i know that in this scenario you haven't done that yet but you would have to work out how many hours you think it's going to take based upon your experience and so on and so forth so it's just it's just easier for me to to manage and it, it just kind of works with the way my brain works better i think <laughs> yeah it kind of feels more honest and um that's why i like it but the interesting thing is and really we are in an industry which is right for the value pricing isn't it and, and i would imagine most of the courses out there that show you how you can sell your web design services will favor the value pricing you know and and it's ideal because we do need to talk to the client first and work out what is going to be of value to the custom product that we are delivering to them. It kind of makes sense for it to be that way round. And it does allow you then to find out what they're willing to pay and what solutions you're going to provide. So it, it has all, it has a lot of allure to it and it makes a lot of sense of why some people are very passionate. That's the only way you should do it. The, the standard thing, isn't it? That you shouldn't be trading your time for dollars, you know, and you should go this value pricing yeah yeah do you think value pricing is a slightly bizarre question but do you think value pricing requires a kind of salesman like personality (laughs) more than the fixed pricing does in that you you know you can you can kind of put the fixed pricing down on a piece of paper and literally put it in the post or send it through email and somebody can read through it and you don't really have to have a I, I don't know i'm struggling to get the words here but do you know what i mean there's this sort of mm. salesman like quality to being able to persuade somebody 
Because it's, I, I imagine it's very unlikely at the beginning a client is going to see the value pricing for themselves. You are going to have to spell it out to them. You're going to have to go through mm. all the hoops of, okay, so if we achieve this thing, imagine what could happen to your business as a result of us adding this to your website. If we could get you... 15 more leads a, a week. Imagine what that would lead to to your business's bottom line. You, you've got to be good at selling what you haven't already, what they haven't already got in their business. And I think that is maybe why, why I sort of run scared of it a bit. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, it, it, you've got to be a salesperson, but also in a way you're going to ask, you've got to ask them some fairly intimate questions about their business and what they project, which they might not expect they're doing you know for a lot of people they're just coming i want somebody who can build me a website that's their job that yeah. i don't want them involved in my business that's what i'm employing them to do i'm looking for someone to hire to do that job and in order to do the value pricing right you've got to start asking them some questions about the pain points in their business and what you might be able to solve for them to make that kind of work and i know some people who have you know i've got all the scripts who've been on courses we've got a mutual friend of ours who really fell it fell foul of this. They were such a fan of what they learned and they were going to apply this value price and they had a script how they were going to ask certain questions to their clients and work out how they'll take it from there to find out what would be a value for them. But with their the people that they were going for, they completely knew that they were being sold stuff and they blocked them. They just said, you know, what would add value? Nothing. I, you know, do you want more customers from you? We don't need customers from our website. It just needs to be there. You know, and they, they were... They just knew what was being done to them and they weren't having it. Right. Okay. So first thing to say, being the cynical Yorkshireman that I am, um, yeah. if I if I feel a tiny bit that I'm being upsold things and I, yeah. I didn't ask for it, there is a there is some part of me which goes, no, just stop now. You know, it's like when you get to the till or something and somebody tries to, do you want this with that? Or, you know, you're in like fast food joint and they try to upgrade what you want to eat. But in my head, I'm like, no, 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 I've just told you what I want to <laughs> yeah, get. Can yeah. I just, please, may I have that? Um, you know, do, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you want fries with that kind of mentality? Uh, there is, I think you have to be good at combating that. And, and as you said, the person that we both know, it was obviously a struggle to to persuade people of that. Now, Maybe, maybe you'll be really good at that. I don't think I am, so I stay away from it. Maybe you are yeah. brilliant. And I have met people, nothing to do with website building. I have met people, I'm sure you have as well, who literally could sell anything to anybody. They are just gifted with that. And I think if you are gifted in that way and you are good at figuring out what a business would benefit from having and you can explain that and make them excited about it, you, 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 are, you are obligated to use value pricing because you'll do so much better. Mm. And I also think in, in those people who have great successes with it and really believe in it, I think they have to spend a lot more time picking out the type of person they're going to attempt to do that on, the client that they're looking for, the ideal one, establish some kind of relationship with them so they trust them enough to be able to ask those big questions about the business and their pain points to want to answer them. 
And I think that's quite a bit of work. So you might get a really, you might get paid a lot more, you know, as a lot of these uh, courses run, you know, you're talking about 20, 30K on your jobs instead of getting, you know, a thousand or something on it because you've asked the right questions. And that may well be true, but I think there's also, you, you need to be in a position. And I don't think I've ever been in that position where the people who come to me for, I want a website, how much is it going to cost me? I'm not going to be able to turn tell me about the pain points in your business for easy. <laughs> yeah, and, and that also, I suppose, comes down to knowing the niche as well. You know, if, if like me, you're just building websites for more or less anybody, then there, there isn't really a niche. But if, if I'd done, I don't know, 15 lawyer websites, then yeah. maybe maybe there's things that I've learned on that journey that, that are really going to help them. Uh, something, yeah. some little tweak that could be made, which genuinely will be of, of interest and use, use to them. Yeah, maybe that's possible. You never know. You might have been a lawyer yourself and know that kind of thing inside out and you've turned to doing website design and you can speak to their pains and you can make them understand that these pains can go away and the internet can help with that. Then mm. it, it makes sense. I think, you know, the one thing that the value pricing does add to at least, even though I'm not going to use it, I know that because it's not going to work for me. I take some of it from it because they often start with some... Very interesting points. The one that you mentioned, we don't know the price of anything. Nobody does. It's all something that we just look at other information and we think that must be it. But we're unsure. And you're certainly unsure with something that you're asking to be custom made for you. So, you know, that's the one thing. And and getting to the fact that, well, actually, it's not the product they want to buy at a set price. It is it is somehow they want to get something from it in some form or another. So I think it, even if you go fixed fee eventually, I think the value of uh, that comes out of thinking about value pricing is really useful but i think it can go wrong can i just say well i yeah, think please oh, because i think it can often lead people to say okay i'll put all my efforts into being a good salesperson who finds the right target asks all the right questions and then i can set this really high price but i think sometimes what's not mentioned in people who kind of teach you to sell stuff is that you've got to deliver it and if you've got somebody who's got the budget to pay 30k they may expect you to be something you're not like a a, a whiz kid on coding and developing where you are actually somebody like we are implementers of wordpress solutions you know yeah that's a, that so, is a really good point you know if you go in at a really high price then the yeah. expectation is going to be that you are capable of doing things that that high price would merit and yeah. you, you I know you've got a lot to say on this because because of the nature of the way that your business works you're you're quite forthright and honest about this right at the outset aren't you 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 explain and many people I think will find this counterintuitive you know you explain your limitations right at the outset don't you I imagine most people would say yeah. don't talk about what you are unable to do that's that's business suicide, but you do. I think, yeah, and I think there's an instinct for it. It's partly because it, it's going with this agile approach where the idea is to collaborate closely with the, the person you're working with. So in some ways, you you can't do that BS stuff on them. I'm not going to take it away for agreed. They're going to work with me and they're going to see how much I'm working. So part of that's there because they're going to know me better because of the model I've picked. But also, I think... The problem is with our industry, not many people trust web designers, do they? And I mm. think almost that we have to go the other way and just say, you know, you know, I'm brave enough to say I don't know stuff. <laughs> you're, um, I, you're shoring yourself up, though, nicely for 
future possible problems obviously your budget is you're you're dealing with smaller budget Mm. businesses and smaller budget projects and so explaining from the outset you know i am a wordpress wordpress implementer i'm going to be using a bunch of plugins i didn't build the plugins but um but i can use them and the functionality that they come with is what we will have anything beyond the scope of that really you you don't want to be using me if you want everything to be custom built not only is your budget ridiculous for that but also i just won't be able to provide that you'll need to look elsewhere and i think you you prevent down the road all sorts of problems occurring with people wanting to get the you know the yeah. scope of everything bigger and bigger and bigger well, we've we've talked about this we've both done it ever with some degree where we've um kind of BS'd our way through to a job that we can do and then have sleepless nights because we're not quite sure. Because we maybe when we started with it, what they said, we go, oh yeah, I know there's a plugin for that. And then suddenly they want that plugin to behave differently and we can't recode it. Yeah, so let's let's dwell on that point for a minute because we're, mm. we're trying to play the, the part of the, the person who is um, doing this for the first time and this is your first customer. You, you probably yeah. will be plagued by this. There will probably be bits where you are thinking to yourself, oh my goodness me, they've asked me for something. I've never done it. I don't even know how to do that. I guess yeah. you've got to come up with tactics as a way of just at least for now, not over-promising, getting yourself out of the room and going and seeing if you can actually do it. I think the, probably the worst mm. thing that you could do is say, yeah, oh yeah, that's that's a piece of cake. I can easily do that. And like you said, David, both you and I have mm. done that and you re- you re- you regret it because it, it'll come back to haunt you. I think a good tactic is to, if let's say you're in the room with them, you just write it down as a line item and you've got to come up with some language which you're comfortable with, but something along the lines of, okay, that's that's an interesting idea. We'll, I'll certainly look into that. I'll see see what I can do about that and I'll come back to you um, in a few days' time. Is that all right? Mm. And I've, you know, with I mean, there's a client that I'm still doing a project with where this is the seventh project I've actually done for them, but it's another sort of division that are leading it. And, you know, I've been saying, and I'm so pleased I have from the beginning that, look, I'm just, an implementer and I've got some skills. I'm pretty good with the CSS and stuff like JavaScript that you might want on there. Mm, not so much if it needs to do multiple things at the same time, I'm out. And I'm so pleased I've done it because they've the brief has changed so much from what I, because when they asked me first, can I do that? And I said, yes, no problem. But we're now on something like the third or fourth iteration where it's completely different in its functionality. And I'm so pleased I set it up where I said, this is my limits and you're quite welcome or I can hire somebody in who can do this stuff, you know, because it would have been so awkward. Yeah, honestly. I guess the, the, the opposite may be true, though. You might be a really dynamic, quick learner, somebody that can turn your attention to something brand new. Yeah. And within a short space of time, you can you can figure it out. You, you know, you may be brilliant at acquiring mm. new things and figuring new things out. And, you know, you've got plenty of time in your life to spend evenings working through the code <laughs> yes. and all of that kind of stuff. And so don't don't discount that. You know, if you feel that you yeah. can do it and it is within your reach and history has shown that you can rise to all these challenges, well, then I guess you go for it. But that yeah. was never me. I was always more on the sort of cautious, not trying not to overpromise, occasionally overpromising and regretting it. So I guess you've got to figure out where where it lies for you. 
Yeah, a lot of people love this job because those challenges will come in and then they'll just have to, you know, ride up, <laughs> ride it out and work it out. And that's what they love about it. That's what that's what teaches them. And in fact, you know, the first jobs I did where I didn't make it clear my limitations, they did help me. They did stretch me to to learn more. Well, that is a um, really good point. And it is it is one of the reasons why this job is so interesting, because you are learning stuff. And if you only ever did things mm. that you'd already done i think you would you would sort of come to resent the job fairly quickly because it would be fairly boring and straightforward so yes there's got to be a certain amount of learning and i guess if you're doing this for the first time more or less everything will be learning you've probably just got to get yourself out of that conversation out of the room and just figure out where the boundaries of what you can cope with are you know if somebody literally comes to you if, if our client our lawyer client comes to you and says i want a bespoke cms uh, written in react um <laughs> that uh, is going to come in under two thousand dollars and you know it needs this feature and that feature yeah maybe that's too much but if if it's just i want a website with a few forms and perhaps some sort of I don't know, some sort of live video component or something weird like that, then maybe all of that's doable for you and it's a bit beyond reach because you haven't done it, but it's not totally beyond reach. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to pricing, I mean, a big feature in this isn't just the job that's happening. So a fixed fee for that, but there'll also be really what I'm hoping to get, which is the the care and the hosting to come out of them and this long-term relationship. So that's partly why the honesty needs to be there in the front, because I just want them to stick with me and keep paying me some small amount for years in the future without really disturbing me too much, which is how it's you know how the business is still enjoyable for me because that's what's happened you know so yeah so yeah, with, i with, think with your agile you know. sorry i was just going to ask with with your agile hat on you're you're going to go yeah. with the fixed pricing right yeah, yeah i'm going to because i mean for anyone who didn't catch it before the agile stuff you know the the idea is that you're iteratively working so i would be probably going to our lawyer saying you know, let's get your website up pretty quickly. Um, with It doesn't have to be perfect. We'll get it up and it's out there getting new customers. So, you know, rather than long project, spend out time, we'll do it very cheaply. We'll get it out and then we'll come back over it, work together and we'll make it better over the time because mm. neither you nor I know really what we'll want. We'll learn from doing it. That's the argument. So that's, yeah, effectively what... I forgot what the question was. Well, no, it was, it was just whether the Agile binds to fixed pricing better in your head. Yeah, yeah so, uh, yeah, sorry, that was where I was going with it. So, effectively, I will quote for a, what they would call in Agile, if you're using the Scrum method, which is a sprint of work. So, something done within about two to four weeks at maximum, something that is clearly focused on getting just some of the things that they want up and running. So basic site where there's a contact form might be all that they need. But, you know, for all we know, this lawyer might need all sorts of extra stuff, you know, um, I don't know, membership area or something yeah. like that yeah. on their site. So, yeah, I think I think my model, my um, my waterfall model would actually work with the um, with the value pricing. I think it totally could work because, you know, yeah. you're talking to them more. You are you're, you're really trying to find out everything that could possibly be done so that you can give them um, the website and hand it over on the final day. So there'll be a lot of toing and froing and backwards and forwarding. And, and maybe in that process, all sorts of things drop out where you think, actually, do you know what? 
from everything that you've told me, I can see ways to improve this. I could see, I can see things that you've missed out. I can see things that that you didn't, that, that you as the client never thought of. So I think my my system, my waterfall model, could work yeah. with uh, value pricing. Uh, it it yeah. is just to say that I don't ever do it. I never seem to get into those conversations because I think personally I need the clarity, but I, I totally think that it could be done. Well, and it's really the only one that you can do it from. But it, it, from an agile perspective, it has a failing because it assumes that you can agree up front what is expected as an end deliverable and set a price on that where the agile model is going for the fact that you don't know and I don't know. And the only way we're going to learn is by doing. So let's start with something low cost, minimal risk, small period of time. We'll work together and work out what it is. And that list of things that you might want for your site might change over time as we as we start and do it. Yeah. And that's OK. Yeah. But from my perspective, I, I can't value price it really very easy because they're going to see the work I'm doing. So I'll give a fixed price for a, a number of hours, if you like. So it, I've not really adapted. You know, I mean, this is my learning process, so I'm still learning to do agile. But effectively, I've gone that way. But because I've set up these kind of billable days, if you like, which have got a deadline where we work uh, quickly to produce something and then you book another one and then book another one. So uh, almost by accident, I've gone the agile approach without knowing there was a real movement out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, um, yeah, that's interesting. Can, can we just want, I just want to go back to one thing I made as a note and we skipped over it and I think it's quite important with the pricing when you were doing fixed, well, either of them, um, is the fact that the example would be for me is that I started building a, a poxy little intranet with um, WordPress as an employee in my workplace and it took off with my group because they didn't they weren't connected to the mainframe with the organization and it would have cost me if I was charging myself for the weekend work I did it would be about 500 pounds or something they decided to build it as part of the civil service who I worked for and in meetings alone to get all the stakeholders involved in that it must have been eight to ten K of meetings alone without the actual build. So I think that's one thing we don't probably don't need to have to worry with our Miss A who we're trying to bid from because it's probably likely to be her. But all we know, for all we know, she might have a team that we need to report to as well in this. And that's going to really change our pricing, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. The, you know, you, it's, I always say that I want to deal with one person. But in the background of that one person, I mean, in our case, we've got this Miss A. So we know it's one person. Mm. It's probably relatively straightforward. But you never mm. know how many stakeholders there are. And so each time that you go backwards and forwards, a decision needs to be made. It might be literally the decision process might be costing the business hundreds of dollars. Because exactly. you know the, yeah. the 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 wasted time in emails or the board, the meeting that has to happen to 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 make a decision about that one particular thing. So that's a really good point. Yeah, I, and I think you know winning the the thirty k job, the people who can pay that amount of money, you I bet twenty k of that has gone in <laughs> really trying to get everybody on board and all the meetings and yes. the stuff that goes on it. Because the, from the, our end, we're only seeing the thirty k that comes to us. Whereas yeah. from their end, the, the you know that website might cost them sixty grand, and their accounting department will know that it costs sixty yeah. grand because they'll be counting yeah. all the meetings up and figuring out, yeah. you know, whose time was spent where, and um, yeah, and also you know if you think about the the the, the hour, the, co the the cost per hour ratio of some careers, you know, lawyers, 
It's going to mm. quickly add up if they're not doing lawyering and they're spending time in meetings. Yeah. So, I mean, your model is good because you can do the value prices should you choose to. And to some degree, I guess you do. I mean, I, I can't so much because I've kind of fixed rated and made it obvious what my sprints cost, if you like. So effectively, I've given away my hourly rate. So a lot of people would be tutting at me for doing it, but it matches my model. But you still effectively can value price. And to some degree... You will do that, as we talked about before, you know, once you go and see the lawyer and she's got nice plush offices and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is kind of more value pricing based upon what I think they can afford as opposed yes. to what I think I can deliver to them in terms of how right. I will grow their business. Do you know what I mean? It's a it's a fairly blunt div- division there. But if, <laughs> yes. if I really work out that this particular client is is you know, inc- incredibly wealthy and ostentatious with it, I think it's quite likely the number will be a little bit higher. Is that, yeah. that is that reasonable? That seems like human nature. Maybe I'm just being greedy. I, no, 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 I think it is. And also, the, I mean, this is the key thing about the value. You know, the value of one lead to your lawyer may be much higher than the lead to my plumber. <laughs> you know, That's right. <laughs> yeah, that is right. That's a good point. But yeah, okay. Yeah, so... I think we're coming to the end. We can just talk a little bit about pricing tactics that are available. Just um, we don't really use many of these, but discounting. Um, yeah. I, I, you, what, what, when you say discounting, are you meaning that you backpedal on a price that you previously <laughs> offered? Do you mean that? Or are you literally just sort of saying, you know, if you get this, this, this and this, if you combine all of these four different things that we're offering, we'll knock 10% off the overall price? Or are you sort of saying, okay, if the client pushes back, you just knock 10% off to make them happy and and we're off to the races? Mm. To be honest, I just wrote the word. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> um, I do yeah. think, a real world example that I told you a minute ago, I think it is not a good idea to just suddenly slash the price of what you've yeah. proposed because of, let's say, client pushback. Uh, and in my real world example, I had um, a decorator common quote for me and and I'm going to make some numbers up, but let's say that they quoted £5,000 to do some decorating work in my house. I then had another decorator come, and honestly, they both sounded reasonable, and they'd shown me the kind of things that they could do. I had every belief that they could both pull it off. And they quoted £2,000. So I went back to the first one at 5000 and said, look, um, I, I can't go with you because um, because I found a, a much cheaper quote. Thanks very much. And they, they sort of interrupted and said, how much was the uh, was the other quote? And I said, well, it was 2000 And they said, OK, I'll do it for 1800 Instantly <laughs> said those words. And at that moment, I was like, what? what you've literally just knocked off £3,000 because I said some <laughs> words. That immediately I didn't want him to come and do the work for me because I felt like he was defrauding me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I know exactly. I mean, maybe from their perspective, you know, he's going to lose the job anyway, so why not just try this last thing? That's right. Thing? That's but, right. You know? but, but in my head, my well, I, I don't mean estimation. I didn't lose any yeah. estimation for him because obviously, you know, he was keen to get the work. But, it, it, you know, 30 seconds before he was saying it's 5,000, few seconds later it was it's 1800 the, the the gulf was so huge that it 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 pulled me up short you know it, it was so huge so maybe if yeah. maybe if the other guy had come in at four and a half and he'd said four thousand two hundred 
you know, that yeah. felt more palatable. So when when I'm saying this, what I mean is don't discount yourself out of out of credibility. Yes, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think that can work. Actually, I could have combined this with another note that we've got here about putting up kind of fake high prices so you can discount them all the time, like the endless DFS furniture sale we have in the UK. And we know a lot of products as well out there on uh, WordPress as well. Who Constantly you go to their site and they've got it automated that there's a sale running all the time. Discounting with a service, does can it ever work, a discount? I... Do you know what? I'm sure it works because it's deployed in every kind of commerce. It, it must work, right? You, I guess well, you've products. just got to be realistic about it. You know, is it a real discount or is it some sort of fake discount? If it's a fake discount, you know, at some point mm. somebody's going to call you out for it. Will the collateral damage of getting called out for it, will it hurt your business? I don't know. But if, but, you know, if you've got millions of customers, probably not. But if you've just got one or two and you live in a little local place like I do, that could be catastrophic. Yeah. I guess you've got to give a reason. If you're going to discount your service, where effectively they're hoping that you've costed what you think is your reasonable profit and your costs and your time to come up with this price. If you discount it, it always seems a little bit fake anyway, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, which of these is... Has given way. I mean, you would need to maybe justify it like you were balancing out a, I don't know, a, a low sales time in the year or something like that when you're not so busy. So you do a little discount. Someone, I think, to make it creditable for a service, not a product, you would need to add some other element in that would make sense to the to the deal. Yeah, you know? I, I do like the model of discounting the more you the more they spend, if you know what I mean. So let's say that ah, yeah. there are four components to this website and they could only get the website going with the first bit. So let's say that's a thousand pounds or something like that. And and then there's this other thing which costs another 500 and another thing at 500 and another thing at 500. I would be quite happy to say, look, you know, I can knock 250 quid off the last 500 because you're going all in. Those kind of models feel feel like a good way of discounting because it's it works in both ways you're you're getting more work and you know you're working more closely with them but at the same time they feel like you've done them a favor yeah and actually and it also makes sense doesn't it because you know your business costs which you have to factor in is the fact that you need to go and get work out there so if they keep you busy for longer then you can discount them because you don't need to spend money on doing so much of that right. so it kind of it makes sense so yeah so discounts can work yeah in that way. i think what so. about um Lost leaders, things that supermarkets do when they put something at a loss to pull people into their supermarkets. Yeah, I literally can't afford to do that. Um, you know, it absolutely will work, won't it? So by lost leader, we're meaning, you know, you, you put something on at such a ridiculously cheap price that everybody flocks to your store. And whilst they're there, it's inevitable that some of them will stray off and buy other things and that kind of idea. Uh, I, <laughs> I've never done lost leaders because my business is you know kind of time for money model more than anything else and yeah. um so i don't I, I wouldn't i wouldn't i don't think do you i i i talked to you before about one situation where i did because i mean i'm low price anyway so you know one of our sessions will be about 500 quid which is maybe about 750 dollars um and that could build your website but generally i want you know, two or three days to do it well. But there was somebody who 
I knew because I'd worked on another one of their sites who just needed this personal site. They needed it to be out. They had one before it's fallen apart and they didn't want to spend the 500 because they said, literally, I don't need it to do anything for my business. Um, it just needs to be up there. Uh, no one will go to it. And I said, okay, um, uh, you need to come in on a hosting and care plan. And I cut it right down and we worked from a template. And I think maybe the hours that I spent on it meant there was no profit in it at all. But over the period of time, the hosting and care would made up for it. He doesn't contact us about anything. So yeah. um, he just keeps paying each year for that. So, so that, in was that, a, sense, that was more of an accidental loss leader, but it was. Yeah, yeah, but it just made me think that, well, maybe I would do some of that in future a little bit more. I w might drop my prices when someone had a good reason for doing so. And I wasn't really going to make much on making it. But if they're coming in for the long term on something that will make me money over the the period, which is, of course, what the supermarkets are trying to do, aren't they? Just trying to lure you in so you'll buy other stuff from them or just make them your supermarket or you'll make them theirs, your supermarket. So isn't, isn't that the same thing as the, the thing I was mentioning a moment ago, whereas if they buy all four things, you, <laughs> yeah, I guess. you get one of them cheaper. I mean, essentially, you've done the math there, haven't you? And you've worked yeah. out that the maths means you get more. So yeah. you're not really losing out there, are you? It just seems like a slight different variation of, of a similar thing. I wonder it if is. I wonder if I would you ever actually spend money to get a client in the hope that they would stick around? So you see, that's where I'm imagining loss yeah. leader comes from. You know, I'm actually hemorrhaging money on the promise that something good will happen in the future. You know, this client will stay on my care plan. Uh, for years and years, this client will come back and do a, a rebuild every two years or something like that. But in the meantime, yeah. I have actually lost money on the first thing. I, I, I can't do that. Well, I guess in this case, I would have not met probably because I, I guess we spent longer than we would have normally yeah. tried. So I lost yeah. my time rather than any actual payment for something else, which I lost on it. But and again, it was still a gamble because, I mean, you know, there's nothing that holds that person beyond a year on our care plan. So, you know, there was still an element where it might have not been worth doing. So, mm. you know, you kind of have to go with a little bit of that. They probably will stay. And they did. Well, I've definitely years. had lost leaders, which I never intended to be lost leaders, because just <laughs> for the fact that, you know, the man hours that were put in were so much bigger <laughs> than I'd anticipated. And yeah, yeah. And you just want those jobs to come to an end. So unintentionally, I've done loss <laughs> leaders. But there, were, there, was never a, there was never a plan to have it happen that way. <laughs> <laughs> Another pricing technique, te uh, tactic is the um, adding 97 to the end of any of the numbers Th that you give. This is so interesting, isn't it? The psychology <laughs> of putting a seven on the end or a few years ago, it was 99. I mean, I grew up in the era where everything was something pounds and 99 pence. <laughs> and I think it actually on some level, it works. Um, I, I've definitely done it. And, and I, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be clever about it. I just sort of see everybody else doing it and think, well, if everybody else is doing it, there's probably, probably something in it. I don't know what the psychology there is, but, you know, 97 really to my mind, doesn't sound like 50. Sorry, um, 100. <laughs> I was thinking yeah, yeah. 47 there because I know of something that I've sold recently, which was 47, and it doesn't sound like 50. It, 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 I think there's something in this. Yeah, 47 is another one, isn't it? To, yeah. If you were aiming for the 150 or something on a product. Yeah, 147, 97, yeah. 47, 247. Uh, I have to say, though, that my proposals 
more or less always end in a zero. It's just, you, you know, uh, 2,000 or 1,000 or whatever it might be. It just, uh, I, I don't, I haven't really played those games um, no. when doing actual proposals because it just seems like, you know, they're not, they're probably actually going to stare at this number quite a lot. And if it says 999, they're probably going to be going, it's 1,000. I round I rounded up all my numbers as well, even on the like care plan where there's a table for these things, and it's an, they make their decision independent of anything I say. But <laughs> I did this. I have to thank Iceland. I don't know if Iceland are around the world anywhere because I noticed uh, this is going back some time. They they slipped from making things like their pizzas at one nine nine and just turned them into two, and they make it a big round two with no dot zero zero. And for some reason, that fooled me into thinking everything got cheaper. Things that were a pound seemed suddenly cheaper than they were when they were ninety nine. Yeah, we so should, I suddenly thought we should take this in the other direction, shouldn't we? Everything should be a hundred and two. <laughs> Or something like that, you know. Just go over, <laughs> round it up a bit, and uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, certainly from the, the the sort of the packaging point of view on that, it's just easier to to pass the it's two quid as opposed to the yeah. one ninety nine. You know, and you you can kind of add up. If I get three of those, it's six quid. If I get three of those at one ninety nine, how much is that? That's like five ninety seven or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it. I think there's something in this though. I think the fact that every single business seems to be doing it i'd be curious if anybody knows if there's some sort of data to show that this is worth doing or not um be honestly i'd be interested to know in the comments it's it's endless trickery though isn't it because it used to be 99 and then it had to become 97 because everybody knew the 99 they automatically moved it up so I think, you know, it'll always have to change, won't it? Like yeah. I say, with Iceland fooling me suddenly by rounding it up, <laughs> it seemed cheaper yeah. somehow. So you're going to have to keep shifting. So I don't bother with it at all. No, but uh, no, no. Um, what about the, the last one we've got as a pricing tactic, which I think can only, well, maybe not, um, apply to things like care plans where you, you provide various different options, usually three or something, and one is to balance it out. So you put this very high price thing on, knowing that there will be a very small percentage of people who will always buy the top price thing. And that is so high that it makes the regular thing that most people buy look cheaper by comparison. Yeah, I guess the idea here is that let's say you've got uh, three care plans or three um, methods of building mm. websites. You, you make the first one really cheap, but utterly useless. So yeah. if anybody buys that, they they immediately figure out, well, there's just nothing in this. You know, that that uh, that table's only got three ticks. And then you put at the opposite end, you put something <laughs> so crazy overpriced that basically nobody's going to buy it. And then you put the middle one, which is the one you actually want people to buy, which is a, a reasonable amount. It's profitable for you, and it's the one you want to sell. Uh, yeah, I've, I've tried this out. Do you know what's interesting, though? I never <laughs> figured out that that was what was going on until <laughs> somebody explained it to me. I didn't independently ah. figure out that that's what those pricing tables were up to. I was naive and thought, okay, that's the cheap one, that's the middle one, that's the more expensive one. They're all legit. It never occurred to me that that there might be people out there who would use the, the first one and the last one to make the middle one seem like the right one to choose. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you've pointed out to me on some products where people have been quite clever to move it the other way to get the high price. So yep. software or something where you'll get, you know the the price is quite close to the highest 
cost in the middle one and you get i don't know uh 100 license but you get a thousand on the next one it's just like for that small jump up for the number of extra licenses you get you're always going to move up even if you probably didn't think you were ever going to need that number of licenses yeah you just yeah and i've you pointed out a few of those well the, the interesting thing about that one is that usually that only seems to have two options as opposed right. to there being three options where you're squashing from both sides into the middle. The middle one is the mm. one you want to get. In this situation, you offer something which is totally reasonable for the first one. But then yeah. the, the second one is just outrageously good value for a little bit more money. And in this case, it's software licenses. So, you know, it, it's not like you're spending hours making more software because... Um, because you're giving away a thousand licenses as opposed to one or unlimited mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, it's exactly the same to you. If you sell one, it's the same as selling a thousand, except yeah. there's more money in it. So I see things like $97 for three site license, and then I see $197 for a thousand. And there is something in that which set, I, there's a tripwire there for me, and I fall over it all the time. I will buy very often the thousand one because i just think to myself i can i can see myself going over the three quite easily Mm. the reality is i'll never go over the three i'm never going (laughs) to use this on three sites but there's something about it which says to me do you know what a thousand that's really generous so i think that's (laughs) very effective if you know you wouldn't want to do it with website builds we'll build you a thousand websites (laughs) for twice the price of two no, but I think I, I think there is a genuine model. Honestly, the the person who you know got me most of my business, my old colleague, when she started back in two thousand with her web building business, she had uh, basically three plans, which was bronze, silver, and gold. And and the feature it had feature sets. It was how many numbers of pages you would have or be allowed to have. So you could she could have easy used that tactic as well there she could have said you can have up to a thousand pages i something i think though that in the era that you and i started building websites i think that was a totally legitimate thing to do because you had to build every page you know you really had to go in and create the html and whilst there might have been an element of copying and pasting you know you had to build it you had to actually go in and create the html page and start writing the markup and all that so there was actual work nowadays um it's it's a cms you just log in and you know create add new and you you know i I don't see that being all that effective nowadays in fact i think clients would be what what you're going to charge me for the extra one page are you kidding maybe i think it still does exist yeah i'm sure you're right and 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 you could argue the other way that has it hasn't changed because you know when you copied your html you copied you know, you got your homepage and then you copied all the layout that you did and just altered some bits and then copied yeah. it. You couldn't do multiple sites. So uh, I, I, I think I misspoke there because obviously if you're designing each page, then that's legit. Yeah. But if it is literally CMS based pages where you are, you know, it's, mm. if they're writing text into a page and that's all it is, or maybe uploading an image or something, I, I, I see that as a bit more of a stretch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. that's yeah. Um, I think, is that it? Are we done with pricing? I think we are done. I mean, the only thing to say just with our different models is that you could try the tactics and I can't so easily again with mm. this because of the models. Yep. So I think that's it. Um, we've got just the last few questions, haven't we, to ask ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, prices. I missed those. On our show notes, there's five questions. Yeah. Okay. 
let's go through these. Yeah. So um, we can skip the first one because we've already talked about it, whether we're establishing a relationship is going to make a difference perhaps to our pricing than an end deliverable. So you could have, which I did a little bit in the first place, and some businesses are probably run around that. You can have um, where you're priced to, to work quickly with a client. So we know the difficulty now is that a lot of people, will, clients will come, they say they want a website, they know what it looks like, they don't know what it could do for their business. So if you want to get in and get out and get money off them quickly, you'll do maybe a one-day build or very quickly and leave the complex stuff out that might come later. You know, so when they're not getting the traffic they want, it's okay. We delivered you the website. You didn't ask that you wanted uh, SEO or blah blah. I think that's fine. You know, if if yeah. you if you're willing to do that and they're willing to do that, so it's basically a really like a a cheaper version of a website because it's got hardly any features. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you're just giving them what they want, which is, well, you know, still most of my clients don't really get the internet and what I might be able to do for their business. And all I want to do is, because I want this long relationship, is to, you know, bombard them with this new information about what their website could do for them. And they don't yep. care. Yep. So there's a legitimate model in just saying, I'm going to give you what you want. Yep. And that's the end of our relationship. I think that's you know? totally legit. If you've got space for that, then why not? You never know what might yeah. come of that. Yep. Um, <laughs> this is just a, a silly question. Do we have an amount which will go below or above? Do we have a set one in our minds? Do you know what? I think there must be an amount that I won't go below. I don't know what that number is off the top of my head, but there has to be an amount because obviously, you know, I'm not going to build you a website for four pounds. That's just <laughs> not going to happen. So anecdotally, there is a point at which I'm going to start thinking, do you know what? This isn't going to work out. And equally there is a point that I won't go above. I mean, obviously, if I knew that I could walk up to somebody and say, this website with five pages that's going to take me seven hours is two million pounds, and I knew <laughs> they were going to pay it, well, then, no, there is no limit. I will accept that work for that fee. But realistically, everybody knows that, that the, the expectation is going to go up beyond a certain amount. So if you're if you're building a website at $30,000, <clears> those people are going to want $30,000 worth of value out of it. And mm. they're going to be asking questions. It's probable that you'll need a team of some kind at that point. So th there, there definitely is a ceiling. I mean, what about you? Yeah, there is with me. I mean, my, you know, it's on my site. So you can see that really 500 is my kind of minimum, 500 pounds that is. So again, it's some. $50 roughly. Um, that's my minimum. And it's got a set number of hours that go with that sprint of work. So that's anybody who comes in below that is basically out of my range. But that's pretty low, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. For somebody, yeah. you know, to get started on the work. And we possibly could deliver you a basic site for that. Um, but uh, as I say, I made that one exception. And it makes me think, well, I must question that there is potential. because. But it also goes with another caveat with that one. Because they, I'm not interested in people who won't come on the care plan. So that's one of the first things I put in place. So they have at least one year of that to pay. So in fact, no one ever really, they're going to have to pay uh, 800 really yeah. in effect because they have to pay for that upfront as well. So yeah, I have a below. And like you, I guess, to be honest, I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't be going above 10K. A lot of people will just go, oh, what, really? Because I, I feel... 
as but with my model it's fine i would do eventually over time if we're going through sprints of work but if that was the initial yeah, cost I understand. of things i, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. go through that yeah. i mean you know it's easy for someone for someone to pay me that amount of money over the time that i'll be working with them that's not a deal but i would feel uncomfortable at any anybody who was uh expecting a website for that kind of money yeah I, I believe i know what they would want yeah i know what yeah. you mean i think the the low price the the one you won't go below is basically what your business can't tolerate you'd be better off yeah. spending that time looking for a different client and the the high one is more based around what the market will bear you know it, it's <laughs> yeah. more like i can't charge that because literally nobody will pay it um yeah and i'm sure i'm sure everybody in this line of work has, has had those questions like should i send this proposal with that actual number really <laughs> is that number yeah. too big oh and, you know and you've sent it and it's backfired and you've probably sent a few and it's like oh it worked wow okay <laughs> what about this one um do you have a price um which you'd be happy to cut features out of um, if the client comes back and says, no, that's too high. Nathan, answer that one yourself because you talked about this earlier. Okay. I loved it. So I, I, I think this is quite an I wonder how many people have done this. In your proposal, have you ever put in things that you know they will not need, safe in the knowledge that you can cut that out later so that you are able to sort of bring down the price? I don't mean you'd... It, it's a bit like that pricing table that we spoke about earlier. You know, the third option, which nobody's going to pick, has got loads of things in that nobody ever needs. That could be a tactic, I guess. It, I find we're, we're straying into the realms here of being a bit disingenuous. Well, in fact, being very disingenuous. But I have had clients who have come to me and they've had these very, very grand ideas of what their website wants to be. And then you throw the cost back at them and they say, whoa, that's a lot of money. And then you say, well, what about if we took that out? You'd still have a website and we could take that out and it'd still work perfectly fine. And actually, in most cases, I know that they don't need them anyway. So it's easy for me to pull those things out. So yes, that can work. I think that's a really, really good way of kind of putting, you know, you'll give them the features if that's, they're going to pay the full price, but it does give you a route to be able to backtrack, unlike, you know, your decorator. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> With loss, you know, it gives you a way that legitimately say, oh, okay, we can knock these things out or you maybe can do them later, you know? That's right. For yeah. This and it might be, you know, I, trifling little things like, I don't know, you don't need a, a chat widget just yet because... You know, you haven't got a, a sales team organized. It'll just be you and the chat will get in the way of your life. And, okay, let's pull that out or whatever it might be. You don't need the membership area now. You don't You don't have any leads. We can do that later. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. I think, I think that's really great. I hadn't really even thought about that before. It's not going to be appropriate for my model because I'm not doing propositions with mine, but I love the idea. Uh, last, last one that we've got here really is, do we ever give a low price and then upsell the add-ons to what we have so you know in my case effectively i do that because of the the care and hosting has to come so there is an upsell on the price of the website yeah i, I think for me the answer would be basically no the number that i've got on that proposal is really the number um yeah and whilst there might be add-ons those add-ons are literally that you are adding to the price it's not a question of me 
um, lowering the price and hoping that the add-ons come in because then I'm in a sticky situation. Whereas if they don't want any of the add-ons, I'm then I am then cutting the price, um, doing what we talked about earlier. You know, literally lowering yeah. the price in order to get the work. And that that it, the base price has to be something I can work with. Um, so it, yeah. it has to be something that if they accept only that. I'm happy with that. But yeah, you, you've written down things like, you know, add on keyword research, maybe some extra testing or um, it could be some work to ra- around browsers. That whole browser thing was really an add on yeah. in the day, wasn't it? You could genuinely say, and we'll test it in Internet Explorer 6. And that <laughs> yeah. was a legitimate thing to do. Nowadays, I feel like there's very little difference between all the browsers. Yeah, there are some things. I mean, still some things which are just kind of experimental or just be in Firefox and Chrome and then won't be in the others. So uh, it could be a factor and just the testing of it as well, because there will be some different displays if, if the branding, just something very simple as filling out the forms. There are certain things that you, you know, you can't style with CSS directly at the moment. Um, You know, uh, you might kind of, you know, want to work with that silly stuff, which I don't think we get into. I guess there's one upsell that I have and and it's, because of my agile approach, the idea that I'm going to go to our client and going to say, we don't know where we start. Maybe we ought to start with stuff. The thing that I often want to do is keyword research with people. I want them to do that before we even start the site. So by saying that a small sprint and a minimal viable uh, website is what we're aiming for. So it's low cost, but please, you know, let's do the keyword research because for your thing, if we get that wrong, you're probably not going to get the visitors and we're all wasting our time for the rest. So in a way I do often start with that upsell. Yeah, fair enough. If it works for you, and you, mm. but but it is it is a genuine upsell, right? It, it it isn't. You're not cutting out the cost at the beginning. You are adding the cost on yeah. if they go for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's fine. yeah, exactly. Well, we don't we don't know what their cost is going to be with the agile approach. We know how much it's going to be to get the minimum site, and then it's going to be entirely up to them how much they're going to spend yeah. on top of that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Hey, David, guess what? I think this is the longest episode we've ever done. Oh no! I know we're <laughs> at one roughly an hour and eight minutes. Uh, in in this I know I wonder if there's a single human being that's got to this point I suspect (laughs) the answer is no so um, yeah pricing is done in our little business series which is fabulous so that was episode two of series one Uh, should we just quickly say what's going to be episode three Yes, uh, get in a brief. Well, we'll just try being brief. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> to get, getting to be brief. Yeah, okay. I like so scoping uh, out scoping the, project, the project, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. That's it. Perfect. All right, thank you. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. There's always more to these debates than meets the eye. There's always a ton more once you start exploring and getting into the weeds of it. So today we were talking about pricing. Perhaps you agree with us or disagree with us or think perhaps we missed something out. Either way, if you want to add a comment, you can head over to wpbuilds.com and search for episode 259 or go to wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. That is our Facebook group and you could do the same thing. Search for the thread for episode number 200. And 59. Like I said at the top of the show, we're taking a couple of weeks off. I would hope that if you are also taking some time off, I would wish you a very happy holiday season. We will be back on the 6th of January in 2022. So stay safe for a couple of weeks and I will see you soon. I'm going to fade in some cheesy music and say bye bye for now. Mm-hmm.